You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. And I was preparing for service, and I had that scripture in my heart. I just want to speak to someone just in the season to be extremely cautious um, about, now I don't know if it's drinking, so if you are someone who's given to drinking, don't drink. Let me tell you, neighbor, don't drink this week. Just in, in fact, you'll you see where this will go into because we're fasting. So you shouldn't be, so just tell them, please. And essentially, it's about just recognizing that, you know, um, <laughs> ah, God. Anyway, just let God help your vulnerabilities this week. Okay? Do not go and drink. I, I, so I think that's enough. That I will just leave it there. Okay? That, I'll just leave it there. Um, if you're first time at LifePoint, welcome. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. Um, so like I just said, like I said, yeah, so we are going to start our fast this week um, on, um, on Thursday. You can start on Wednesday or Tuesday if you like, just want to warm up the system. Um, I like to read the scripture Isaiah chapter fifty-eight. Uh, so Jesus, or God, is having a discussion with the people and saying, "Look, there is a type of fast that is effective, that produces results." And He says, "There is one that doesn't." All right, and He says, "There are things you do on a fast which uh, do not exactly cut it." All right, and and in the last couple of weeks, you know, in in different ways, God has been speaking to us about healing. All right. Um, verse 3 says, Why have we fasted, they said, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves, you've not noticed? He says, Yet on the day of the fast, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife. So imagine you fasted the whole day, and then you're on the lucky bridge. Yeah? And then you are dragging, you know, that's just, just put yourself in the scripture, okay? And in striking each other with wicked fists. All right. He says, you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Okay. So there's a fast that allows your voice to be heard, but there is one that doesn't. He says in verse 5, is this the kind of fast I've chosen, only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed, for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast a day acceptable to the Lord? Verse 6 says, is not this. So he begins to explain the kind of fast I have chosen. To lose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every... Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood so you cannot block your father or your mother and say you are fasting right and verse 8 says and this is a promise we are holding on to all week as we fast he says then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, the Lord will answer, you will cry for help, and he will say, here am I. So, we're going to fast a bit differently. It's an improved fast. It's version 2.0. Alright? 
So, standard, we are not eating as we are fasting. Standard. Not eating means there's no food. And this is when you wake up to 5 p.m. Lagos time. <laughs> the pastor said 5 p.m. It's already 5 p.m. in Australia. Here we go. 5 p.m. Lagos time. And so we have this little uh, brochure, which I asked a small slip of paper that I ask that you take one of. I think the ushers will pass them around if they've not done that already. And so each day, for example, has a scripture and meditation. Something for meditation, right? Uh, and then each day, we're going to ask that you please spend some time. I'm not going to prescribe, but, you know, spend time interceding. And we've tried to put on each day something we think you might want to consider interceding for. So, for example, on the Thursday, we say um, to pray for healing for Nigeria, for leadership and authority, and for government at all levels. So, each day, we would intercede. Um, all right? And intercession means praying for standing in the gap. All right? Each day, we would do something. So, that's part one. So, you fast from food. Scripture meditation. I know it sounds a bit complex, but don't worry. You would see how, how simple it is. Okay? Then you would do something for your love walk. So, for example, on Thursday, we said, who can I specifically be a blessing to in a way that is not beneficial to me and that communicates to them how much God loves them? So, you're not, so this is not a fast you enter accidentally. No. So, from today, you have to feel your own. So, you think there, Auntie Kemi, I will send her $5,000. You know, or let me take that again. PI, <laughs> I will send him five thousand dollars, right? And we say, once you've done that, pray in the spirit. Spend at least fifteen minutes praying in the spirit, and spend time praying for yourself. And then, as a community, we will meet online on some of the days. So on Thursday, we'll meet online to pray, uh, one hour, six p.m. to seven p.m. On Friday, we is the first Friday of the month. We would meet here for a mini vigil, seven. PM, I will pray all the way to 10 p.m. Um, on Saturday, we'll meet online. Um, on Sunday, we're coming for church, the service as usual. So what we'll do on Sunday is that we'll meet for one hour before the service. So 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. here. I would pray and then we'll go into the service. Monday and Tuesday, I will meet online to pray in the evening. And then on Wednesdays, when the fast ends, we'll have a prayer meeting to wrap it up. Okay? Uh, I'm very particular about the intercession that needs to happen. The Bible says here, there is a fast that you go into. It says that God hears. And it says there's something about healing that then happens quickly. And that is my, it's, and, and I, that is one thing I'm holding on to God for. But there's healing that needs to happen in all sorts of spheres. All right. So, for example, on Friday, your love walk, you're saying, who can I forgive today? All right. So, you write the name there and then, not, it's, not a, it's not question and answer. It's, you will then do it. Right. I need to forgive P.I. Last time I called him, he said, I'll call you back. Busy. 54 days counting. Right. Um, on, the, on the Saturday, who can I tell about the gospel? Uh, one of those days says, who can I encourage today? One of those days, how can I advocate for justice? So this is not, this is, 
This is not just you regular fasting from food and checking time, 12, 1. Okay, if I watch this program now from 1, 3.30, then there's a meeting at 4. There's no way. Before they finish the meeting at 4, the fast is over. Thank God. Because sometimes when you fast, you're literally just watching the time. You're like, God, thank you, thank you, 3. But what then happens is that the whole, all that spiritual energy that is generated is not directed, all right? So we trust God. And as we, I mean, I'm very sure um, that would hear testimonies during the fast. One thing that fasting does is that it makes us very aware of ourselves. So I'll encourage you to look for people who would keep you accountable. Because sometimes for some people, during the fast, they just become very aware of, because what also happens is that typically you would dull in your senses and your mind with social media, with food, you know, wine and all that. And all that is suddenly not available. So by day three, you are with yourself and with God. Right? Oh, and by the way, yes, I don't think that's here, but you hear me say it, that we are also fasting from social media. God bless you. <laughs> Look, I've heard this question so many times. So many people ask me, is WhatsApp social media? And talk says yes, and talk speaks on behalf of the church. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, so except, except WhatsApp is what you use to do your business, uh, you might want to fast too. You break oh, at the end of the day. One hour. But, but let God guide you, but fast. So during your fast, try and stay off social not try, stay off social media. Alright? And hopefully nothing will happen on social media that requires your urgent attention. Alright, let me preach. Uh, next week I'll preach um, we'll be teaching on finances and, and we don't talk a lot about money. And finances at life point in the church in general because, you know, uh, nowadays people just preach about money like, hey, they've come. But I've, <laughs> I feel a strong impression in my heart to teach about money. I think we'll do that for the next two Sundays, okay? Help me ask the person next, do you have money? Do you have money? Let them come next, <laughs> come next Sunday, all right? Uh, this evening we have our evening service um, and it promises to be a fantastic time. We're focusing on, we call it, we're asking for people to come who, you know anybody who needs encouragement, you yourself need encouragement, please come. It promises to be a fantastic time in God's presence. All right, let me preach very quickly. Okay, real short. Very short. Very short message. Um, it's a motivational sermon. And what that means is, it's very simple, but I'm talking today about motives. I'd like us to read First Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1 to 3. Um, and then we'll pray and ask. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 to 3. Okay. The Bible says, the NKJV, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. When, when God wants to promote a man, promote a people, promote a generation, he would call for a higher level of consecration. 
it would say, Joshua would say to the people of Israel, consecrate yourself, he says, for tomorrow God is about to do a great thing. And I sense that as we move into the coming season, that God is, would have us re-examine, just look at ourselves again. And, and you know, preparing for this, it, I couldn't shake it off. God is almost saying, what is our motive? What is the reason? So the motive is simply the reason why you do things. And here Paul says that I can do a lot of great things. I can speak. I mean, he had, when he wrote the first line, he probably had either Chinaye or Rolly in mind. When he said, speak with the tongues of men and angels. So, you, you know, powerful tongues. If you've been in church long enough, sometimes you hear people speaking in tongues, you stop, you pause, out of respect. <laughs> you know, they're like, you know, you're like, hey, this is what they call speaking in tongues. It says, but that in itself, it says, but if you look underneath that, it says, if love is absence, it says, then you've just become, it says it's just, it's just noise. It says you can have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, which is very broad. All mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so that I can move or remove mountains. It says, but if your motive is wrong, have not love. It says, I am nothing. It says, even if I bestow all my goods to the poor. All. So I didn't leave anything. Not my favorite jeans. I didn't leave my G-Wagon with red leather seats. I didn't leave anything. Gave everything to the poor. It says, but my motive is not love. It says, it profits me nothing. I mean, if he had met Fallaby and the band, he would say, if I could sing like Fallaby from morning till night, five albums, two EPs, and three singles have not love. We had met JR. If I can develop fancy apps, build billion dollar companies, sell them. And if you sell them, his wife is saying amen, amen. <laughs> he says, but have not love. Help me ask the person next to you, ask them what is your motive? What is your motive? Ask them, what is underneath? What is underneath? I mean, what is underneath their actions? What is underneath their actions? Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. God sends Samuel to go and anoint a new king. And I, I believe that God, <laughs> Bible says, in one place that he's looking to and fro the earth for those whose hearts are perfect towards him and he may show himself strong on their behalf. I believe that God is looking over this generation for, for where to pour out ideas, to push people into opportunities, to release anointings. I believe they are mantles, essentially symbols of authority and anointing that the older generation is holding. And God is saying, who will Elijah give this to? In another 10, 20 years, if Christ tarries, the landscape will change totally. Totally. In another 10, 20 years, 
the current people who you know as the richest people in the world will not be there. I'm not saying they will die, but I'm just saying they will not be there. The guys whose music we are listening to today, yeah, for that will not be 10, 20 years, will not be there. Uh, Bonner Boy will not be the giant of Africa in 10 years. <laughs> oh no, I'm telling you. The people who are at the forefront of the church today will not be there. I mean, my pastor, Pastor Godman, is in his mid-40s. And if you don't tell him, he'll be 65, 70. Maybe playing golf somewhere. You know, and giving instruction. But my point is, there is so much happening. And God is looking for people whose hearts are in the right place. People whose motives are in the right place. So in First Samuel chapter 16, Samuel takes the oil and he goes to Jesse's house to anoint a new king. If, and and I, I would draw your attention to the fact that he anoints the time or the date that he anoints the king is very different from the date that David climbs the throne. So he receives an anointing. I, I don't know the have to check, but I suspect it's about 15, 20 years. So for someone, God is already inviting you to a throne. He's already speaking to you about a whole generation, about a whole whole industry, a whole ministry, a whole nation, a whole family. When he shows up in 1 Samuel chapter 16, he sees, I think the gentleman's name is Eliab, strong, big, well-trained chap. And he says, surely the Lord's anointed. And God says, no, I have rejected him. And a whole parade happens. One brother after the next. And so in First Samuel chapter 16, this is what God says to Samuel. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature. He says, because I have refused him. He says, for the Lord does not see as man sees. But man looks at the outward appearance. He says, but the Lord looks at the heart. What does God see when he looks at our hearts? What, What does he see when he looks at our hearts? I think it's in Hebrews chapter 16, when, or chapter 4, verse 12, when he's talking about the word of God. He says, oh my goodness, the word of God is quick, is powerful, is sharper than a two-edged sword to so the divine, the son of soul and spirit, bone and marrow. And then he says something. He says, it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents or the motives of the heart. So motives matter. Motives matter. You know, someone once says, look, Sometimes it says we, 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 we sometimes when we talk about people or two people, we judge them by the things they are doing. But God doesn't do that. God judges people by their hearts. Let me ask the person next to you, tell them, what are your motives? What are your motives? What are your motives? Um, and, and that is a simple, and, and this is for me, what I want us to pray about and consider from God's word. Because even our emotions have motives. 
One time David will say to himself, he says, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Why? In another place, God will say, I think he says to Cain, or yeah, it's to Cain. He says, why are you angry? Let me ask the person next to you. Ask them why. Why? Just, just, ask, just ask them why. Why? And maybe I don't know what you want, but why? Why? Why are you serving in church? Why are you serving in church? Why are you building that business? Why are you building that career in modeling? Why? Why why do you want to get married to that girl? Why do you want to get married at all? So yeah, I know why you want to get married. You have a prophetic ministry, prophets are better married, I know. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> because one thing that happens before we get saved is that we inherit a whole set of motives. This is not just thoughts. Hebrews chapter 4 and 12 says that there's a difference between your thoughts and your motives. And when we read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul begins to say, look guys, there's also a difference between the things you do and your motive. That it is possible to be, quote unquote, doing the right things. Doing the things that people say Christians should do or people your age should do or people nowadays should do but why are we doing those things why are we doing this it says for God it says for the Lord does not see as man sees man looks at the outward appearance oh man sees your weak Yes. He might not notice the makeup, but he sees the wig. He sees your new jacket. Oh, man looks at the outward appearance. He sees your new shoes. He says, but God looks at the heart. As right in my notes, I said, God, would you heal me of anything that has corrupted the motives of my heart? For someone this morning, as we go into the fast, I think that's one of the things that God wants to heal. That for someone, pain, avoidance, cannot be the motive of the things you are doing. In fact, that pain in itself cannot be the motive. That competition cannot be the motive of my heart. It's in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 4. But Paul says, Let nothing be done out of selfish ambition or conceit. It says, But in lowliness of mind, let each one esteem one another or others better than himself. It says, Let each of you but this is Philippians 2, 3 to 4. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. What is my motive? 
What is my motive? What is my motive for serving? What is my motive for praying? Because sometimes you, sometimes people pray, and there's scripture to this, just because they want to impress other people. Jesus speaks about this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, do not be like these people who, when they want to pray, they go to a public place. Some of you have a quiet time at home, and your neighbors know you're having a quiet time. <laughs> you see, the guy upstairs has started again. They, they even know your tongue. They can even repeat your tongues to you. See, every morning starts with rubobo. So that's him. He has woken up. I remember one time, I don't know why they were in university. My roommates were listening to my prayer. And when I finished, they said, It is, you know, you were preaching to God. They said, Because you were telling him scriptures that he wrote, and he had never heard them before. So I realized that part of sometimes our prayer language is to impress others. What is our motive? Because when you pray, I remember the first time I prayed as a Christian. I, not, I rounded up prayer. And if you're just new to the faith, rounding up prayer means that when everybody has prayed in a group, they then single you out to test your spirituality and spiritual vocabulary as a round up the prayer. I can't forget it. I finished, when I finished, somebody else had to, out of the goodness of his heart, round up the prayer again. <laughs> no, I didn't know. I had, and nothing pained me. I'm like, ah, what did I say? I can't remember. I didn't know scriptures then. So when you say round up the prayer, you know what I'm saying? <coughs> Our Heavenly Father, the one who sits on the thrones, controls the winds of the north, the south, the east, and the west, God. They start to explain. Sometimes when you're calling God, we're like, ah, see my names. But you know that, and, and, and if, you, if you will call those names, let it come from a place of worship. But you know there's a way you pray to impress people. But Isaiah said, <laughs> Then you balance it with New Testament. But Paul says, God is saying, pray the prayer. Say, I'm coming, Lord. As Bishop Oyedeko said in his message last night, all this in a prayer, why am I praying? Man looks at the outward. God looks at the heart. Don't forget 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to go back there. What is my motive for wanting to be successful? Oh my goodness. What is my motive for wanting a million dollars? Why? And this is important because for some people, until we get our motives aligned with God, we, <laughs> there will be a delay. And that's not a curse. I read out of James chapter... Uh, James chapter 4 and verse 3. It says, when you ask, you do not receive. Because, the NIV says, because you ask, or the NKJV says, you ask amiss. The NIV says, because you ask with the wrong motives. It says that you may spend it on your pleasures. So if God gives you a million dollars today, what is your plan? The good ones among us say a million dollars. Okay, I will tight. Yes, I have to tight ten percent. So that's what hundred thousand. Ah, no, I do have tight. <laughs> okay, say so between fifty and hundred thousand. Let's see what the balance is. 
What is your plan for the rest? $900,000. Do your math quickly. What do you do with it? For some people, it's a boutique that appeared in your heart. As I said that. There was a suit you have been eyeing for four years. You just knew that was it. For some, it was a car. Some, it was a house. Some, you have the picture already. For you may even have the invoice. When after you spent a couple on yours, they say, ah, I have parents. I'll send money to my parents. Then, then what else? I say, okay, well, PI has been nice to me. My pastor, I would say, bless your pastor. $20,000. Okay. Then what else? Let me ask your neighbor, what else? What else? What else? But I know for some of you, we won't see you in church for one month. I know that. I know that. <laughs> Someone said, no, it's three months because I'm on a holiday. But, but, but this is it. I remember my friend, Osaritin, saying to me, well, this is 1996, 97, he said that a lot of times that he doesn't think God will give people, was a millionaire then, he said if the people did not know what they would do with it. And he said, so what will you do with a million dollars? Why would you want a million dollars? What would you do with a million dollars? How many schools would you build? How many people in our country will get better because you've become, you have a million dollars? I mean, some of us will immediately get a car and then get, and you know it. You will get an escort car. Oh no, you know it. Because you've been in Lagos, they've been oppressing us since. Ah, come on. You'll get an escort car. But some of you, you know, you'll get a mopo. Ah, no, no, just one mopo, one. Shall I know you'll get a mopo? Two mopo, yeah. <laughs> one for your house. Let me ask the person why, 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 why. Proverbs chapter 16, 1 to 2 says, The preparations of the heart belong to the man. It says, But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his eyes. It says, But the Lord weighs the spirit. Again, NIV says that the motives are weighed by the Lord. So this is my charge for us, church, today. This is the picture that's been in my heart as I prayed and prepared. But love needs to sit at the very bottom of our hearts as the motive for everything that we do. In fact, the way <laughs> when I was going to bed last night, I, I felt that strong impression that God is saying, look, I want to, it was saying there were people who seem not to have a lot of motive for life at the moment. So you are struggling to come to terms with your why. That was the question. He would give you, he was saying, I would give someone a why. I would give someone a reason to do things. I don't know who that person is, who is struggling with a sense of emptiness today. I don't know who that person is who is trying to understand why are we here? Why are we doing all these things? Why am I trying? I want to buy a house. I want to do this. But the, the more I try and do these things, it seems like, I mean, things just keep on changing. I want to buy an iPhone uh, 10 now, what it is. I save my money, buy it. Six months later, they have 11, they have 12. Now my phone is old, but what's the use? What's, what is the purpose of life? And God was saying to me, 
that he wants to restore motives in people's hearts. For some people, God wants to heal the motives of our hearts. For a lot of people, there's unhappiness deep within their hearts because we're out of touch with how we should be living as Christians. So we're doing the, the things that seem right. But there's that frustration because the motives have not yet been sorted out. Matthew 7, 21, Jesus says, but on the last day, people will show up and say, we did miracles in your name, we did this and that. Says, but I will tell them, I did not know you. Because while they got the actions right, their hearts were not settled with God. So he would say that in Ephesians chapter 4, that you would speak the truth in love. But it is possible to do the right thing, but do it with the wrong motives. And, and this will help someone sometimes as you study scripture. And as you see God's interaction with certain people, because sometimes it's puzzling how God reacts to certain people. Cain and Abel, for example, they both bring offerings. And I know we've tried to approach the refusal of Cain's offering from very theological perspectives. Someone says because he didn't have blood. So. But we realize that sometimes when we see how God deals with people, it is obvious that he's seen something that we cannot see. And the truth is that when he deals with us, not everyone can see what God is seeing. God is saying to someone, would you let the Holy Spirit give you motives but align with God. <clears throat> if I am preparing for this and I had that impression to say, look, come. Do you realize that people will eventually find visions for their lives? Lifestyles that are reflective of their motives. So he was saying to me that, look, the Holy Spirit with the word of God wants to investigate our motives in fact it was that picture of an x-ray and and i think as we fast in this season that god will be saying to some people as you spend time with me don't hurry just relax let me explain to you some things about you i think it was um some maybe about a year or so ago that in my life I, I had to come to some very interesting truth. So I'm not a perfectionist at all. Oh, no. It's not at all. You see my handwriting, you know I'm not a perfectionist. But I'm a first child. First, if you're first born, you tend to be bossy without reason. You believe if God sent me here first, I was passing a message to my siblings and my neighbors. Um, I am also um, very melancholic which means I think a lot about things but I think there's a bit of a choleric, a small choleric there tiny 
And so what happens is that I like things to be predictable, structured. Oh, yeah. When I get into my house, my daughter will tell you, I know if something has been moved. And I ask, I don't just know, I also ask, who moved that lamp? Why? When? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll tell you. So when you see my wardrobe, especially if if compared to my wife's wardrobe, yeah, different story. Wardrobe is arranged neatly. All the white shirts are together. Blue together. Pink and red together. For ease of reference. <laughs> uh, even my library, and this, this is church, I just be vulnerable. There's not spread rumors about me or tell other people. Just let's keep it us together. So, <laughs> even my library, I've got a big shelf. It's taller than me. Lots of books. One time, one day, I just woke up. I think I was tired. All the white books are together. <laughs> brown books. But it works for me because when I'm looking for a book, I know the color. So all the brown books are together. All the red, I'm telling you, I wish I brought a picture. All my red books are together. All the blue books are together. Green books are together. If you're judging yourself, it's okay. <laughs> I can feel it. I'm covered, covered by the blood. <laughs> but you see, that works for the things that I own. It doesn't work in relationships. Or it doesn't work in my dealings with my wife. Because you guys all know she's got a mind of her own. She's from Agbo. Oh, no. <laughs> it's born again, spirit-filled. Here's God also. As MBA, I have MBA. So she has views. So sometimes I say, um... We should do this like this. And, and I'm very particular about this. And I think it was last year. I began to realize that, you know, <laughs> some of my very motivations needed to be helped by the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, the guys will tell you, the guys who, who preach along with me, pass along with me, sometimes when I say go and preach, I will send them the notes. These are the notes. And my notes are very clear how you should preach the message. But God began to speak to me about how the fact that he's still speaking to me. So I'm hearing this one gradually. But I cannot control everything. All right, so, I mean, I'm just, this, this is where I've already started this journey. In most of the places where I go to eat, after a while, once I get in there, I don't need to tell them what I want to eat. I walk in, it's two spoons of jollof rice. One, they just know. In fact, I remember one day going to KFC with my wife it's years ago, and they, they just they didn't take my order. They started saying, she was upset. You come here so often. What? <laughs> uh, but you know, life cannot be controlled like that. Your destiny in God. The Bible says he who is born of the Spirit is like the wind. And so when I got into seasons of my life, where the wind started, <laughs> I threw a tantrum. God, this is not, I have a plan. Spreadsheet, Gantt chart, everything. I know exactly what should happen. I planned it. I told you six months after this should happen. I should do this and I should do that. God in hell. Neither him, the Holy Spirit, nor Jesus. None of them heard. I threw a tantrum. A pastoral tantrum. I was upset. There's nothing I didn't try. Hmm. Are you ready? You come and talk to me, God said. And so, <laughs> for me, it is still work in progress. 
Because someone who likes to control things sometimes does not know how to walk by faith. That whole Hebrews 11 evidence of things not seen, why can't we see it? <laughs> no, no, no. And the truth is God has had to and he's still working with me. Still working in me. The Holy Spirit, as you spend time with him, Hebrews 4, 12, as you spend time in the word, he says it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart of man. Has, have you let the Holy Spirit discern your thoughts? You know in James chapter 1, when he begins to speak that whole phrase, that whole scripture when he says, do not just be hearers of the word, but doers. He says the man who hears the word only and doesn't do it is like a man who looks in the mirror and then forgets what he has read and goes down and says that he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein. So the word of God is meant to be like a mirror. That when we open the pages of scripture, that God is able to show us as the Holy Spirit. So you, sometimes you are reading about David's life. And then you realize, my goodness, this is me. Or sometimes you're reading about Israel. You know, one time, David has committed adultery to cover it up. He has the husband of the woman killed because the woman is now with child. But David is deaf to what he's doing. I don't know what he's going through. And God sends him a prophet. The prophet pens him a small picture. Where a man had a small lamb. This other man had plenty. He showed up, took the other guy. There is a God forbid. <laughs> we'll kill that man here. We'll finish him. I'm king. This man does. Ah, no, it's done. Call the guards. Go and get the man. The prophet said, relax. Uh, king, sir. <laughs> it's you. And so sometimes as you read scripture, praying in the Holy Ghost this whole week, you're reading through the people of Israel. After God has done all the signs and wonders for them, they're in the wilderness and they begin to complain. They're complaining. They're asking God, where's our food? Sometimes they get the onions we had in Egypt. And you're like, hey, look at these people. Ingrates. Ooh. Ingrates. God, forgive them. I hope you forgive. You kill them. I've been in the wilderness. Yeah, hey, good for you. The Holy Spirit whispers. <laughs> says, hold them coming. Says, mirror, mirror on the wall. But the truth is, there's a lot of activity-based Christianity where we just want to do things. We just want to get things done. And doing things is important. But would we let the Holy Spirit have access to our imagination? Would we let the Holy Spirit speak to us about our lives, about the way that we have processed the things that have happened to us? Narratives are powerful. Would we let the Holy Spirit give us God's narrative about our life? Because sometimes we approach God like a corrupt politician. We have the election result already. Tell God exactly what you want to hear. 
would we come near to the word in this season? It's important. You see, guys, I've seen in, in the last two or three years people who are fascinated with the powerful, with the miraculous, with the prophetic. And guys, you must be. But First Corinthians 13 says, look, guys, if you do not settle the very issues of your motive first, you will just be doing things on the surface that will impress people. But will God be impressed? It's amazing that when God, Jesus does miracles, all those healings, but that when you see his work with his disciples, he's not doing so many miracles. That he's actually speaking to them, talking to them, imparting wisdom, modeling life for them. And so he would say to them, I think it's in John, Holy Spirit, John 6 or John 7, he says that he says, you have become clean by the words that I have spoken to you. So it wasn't just healing. No, 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 no. That the biggest miracles were the change within their hearts. So the Bible would say that they looked at those men, broken men, fishermen, and saw how their lives had changed. People who had nothing before, or some had things. I mean, Matthew was a tax collector. Far as guys clean out well. Sorry, I don't mean like that, please send me like a tax bill. T.I. I want to see a tax. I pay my taxes. But the tax collectors had money. But, but the fishermen. <sighs> that God wants to show us his own motives also. That we would see how God deals with people. So that we know how to deal with people. Peter would say, Jesus, how many times? Ah, I said, ah, <laughs> 70. That God will bless us. Bible says, so my wife says to me that I, I start a lot of sentences and I don't complete. So every time I start a sentence and I don't complete, I hear her voice. So, yes, but it's okay. <laughs> but God will bless us with grace for alignment. This is a, today's service is a very, is a very internal work. It's about us being patient as Christians to let God breathe upon our hearts. Some people are still reacting. Last week we are talking about healing for pain. Are still reacting very much from the pain of stuff that has happened. That why do you want it? Some people, God will give a proper understanding of things. Paul will say to the Corinthian church, he says, because you do not understand how the body of Christ should work. You've not discerned the body. He says, so when you gather together for communion, he says, your motives are wrong. It's not a feast. It's a spiritual thing. And so God will bring understanding our way so that we can have the right motives. This discussion this morning as we about to start praying has huge implications even for our country, Nigeria. If anyone goes into public office with the motive to make money, right? 
you will end up as a thief. Because public office is not, is not where they make money. Should not be. But somebody told me, no, 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 and this is, somebody told me that if you took, and there's a camera, I mean, I think it's true. Right? And if you take your certificate of, what's that thing INEC gives you? Certificate of return. Once you receive it, even before you are sworn in, if you take it to a bank, eh, they will loan you money. He told me the amount. They would loan you, just on that, just take it, I'm a senator. They've not, I've not started yet, but here. Ah, they'll give you money. Because we have people <laughs> who go into public office because they, so sometimes people take, people spend hundreds of millions of naira to get the ticket of their party. Because you do your profit and loss. 300 million for the ticket. 1 billion for the campaign. How? What is it? <laughs> and I'm saying that because there is someone here who God needs to heal that motive before your opportunity comes. Lest it be said that a life pointer went to Abuja and stole money. Tell the person next to you, you will not steal money. You will not steal money. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Why do you want to get married, guys? For some people, <laughs> in fact, not just why do you want to get married, why are you not married? Because, hold, hold on, I'm about to pray, but let me just put this one here. So when you're praying, you're praying with your consciousness. Because some people are not married yet because they are waiting for the wedding that will be bigger than Chukuka's wedding. Chukuka being your ex. <laughs> you don't know that Chukuka is still paying instrumental for the wedding planner, but no, if my wedding does not hold in uh, where that Echo Hotel, where the other places, Dubai, to people at <laughs> why do you want to go into ministry? But the motives for being a pastor for being someone who serves God at different levels cannot be for fame because there are seasons in ministry that you have to do in obscurity it doesn't, it's not money motives are like I was writing my notes last night motives are like helium in a balloon and because helium is lighter than the air outside it takes it up why do you want to go to Canada? Why? Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians, 2 Chronicles, we're done, we're done. 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal towards him. Moses has an amazing heart. An amazing heart that he's interceding for people who are constantly complaining. Why do you want to be a leader? Why do you want to be a manager? Why do you want to own the biggest PE firm in Nigeria? Why do you want to be wealthy? All right, let's read First Corinthians 13 again and we'll pray. Do we have a song? Okay. 
So 1 Corinthians 13 says, verse 1 says, But if Idris speaks with the tongues of men and angels, but has not love, Idris or whoever else, it's become just a sounding brass or clanging cymbal. It says that even though Adar has the gift of prophecy and understands all mysteries and all knowledge, and though she has all faith that can remove mountains, but has not love. It says, even though Fikemi gives all her goods to the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and that one is that's, that one pains me. But have not love, it profits, profits me nothing. So our prayer today is very simple. We're asking the Holy Spirit to breathe over our lives, over our hearts. We're asking for an opening of the word like a mirror. That we would see our motives. This is not a prayer that you pray for somebody else, guys. Because sometimes, you know, you hear a message like, you're like, ah! Shalad needs to hear this. tells you you've sang you've preached too long I forgive you <laughs> well let's um, let's bow our heads in prayer this morning Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.